Welcome to the Break the Chains, Find Your Flame podcast. My name is Steve Wopolinik. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and one of the founders of the Promethean Project. Our guests are people who have broke the chains of their limitations and found the strength of their potential. We offer their stories as inspiration and as guidance to help others navigate their quest to find their flame. Welcome to episode 21, coming at you outside today. I'm your host, Steve Opolinik. I'm recording outside today because I'm about to get my workout in. I'm going to do some nice fancy jump roping. And I thought it was pertinent to, to record outside before jump roping because today's episode with Anthony Stewart Jr. is really inspiring. And actually it fits really nicely because it drops the day after the Super Bowl. Tony and I met at you guess it, the Progressive Calisthenics certification in New York City that I went to. And, you know, I, 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 wanted, to have, I wanted to have him on the podcast because of the message that he, he puts out there. Tony is really open and honest about what got him into fitness, how he became a personal trainer, and how a joyride on a roller coaster, or really lack of joyride on a roller coaster, set that all in motion for him. Tony and I talk about all things health and wellness, mental health, physical health, and a little bit about how this is important and why we need to develop our own path on this journey rather than acclimating to what's worked for one individual or multiple individuals but may not work for us. It was really good to sit down and talk we de- like I said before, we're definitely a kindred spirit in how we approach things. And it was really insightful to, to talk to someone about his own health journey, what he experienced, and how that informs how he helps other people on their own journey for health and wellness. So, without further ado, here's episode 21. In a world where humanity's potential is imprisoned and locked away, our only hope is to break the chains and find our flame. Did look through some of your stuff on social media, so there are a couple highlights. I know that you posted a couple pictures of text with, with people about you know, the, the struggle of gaining weight and then losing mm-hmm. weight and things of that nature. So I think yeah. we can talk a little bit about that too. And then, you know, your, uh, your phrases are so cool, man. Like being, a, being of service through the pursuit of strength. Yeah. That might be the name of the podcast episode. I like it. I like that. I like it. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> like uh, you know, tender and assessment and aggressive and execution, man. Like yeah. that stuff is so dope. Ah, man, I appreciate I appreciate that you appreciate that, man. Like, because I'm definitely, you know, it just I try to put a I try to like put a lot of thought into what I put out there on social media. It's it's been one of those things where for the longest, I guess I've I've fought against using it, yeah. but this year was like the year where I finally like fully embraced it. Yeah, I think I, you know, I was just talking to someone recently about social media and how everything compounding is, you know, followers is not really indicative of how well you do stuff, but it's an ends to a means. Yes. Getting the brand out there, getting your name out there, getting your information out there, and then leading to other things. You know, we were talking about specifically writing a book because I'm working on a book. And he was like... Yeah, when you pitch to publishing companies, they like to know that stuff. It's not based on followers, but they like to see where you're at in the world and and things of that nature. Yeah, it's true. So it's one of those beasts that's like, ah, really? It's kind yeah. of kind <laughs> of shitty, but uh, you know, it's needed to to yeah. advance, especially in wellness. Right? It's there's so much stuff out there. Yeah, man. All right, so um. I feel like we already start, started. Yeah, right. That's the, the I was podcast. Like, 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 I didn't want to like 
get uh get too much into the good stuff let's introduce you now maybe i'll include some of that good stuff in, in the beginning part so um anthony stewart jr you go by tony yeah okay and it, there, i do have a question asked about that because I, I did go through some of your stuff and i saw this post about your father and just yeah. getting the i want to talk about that a little bit later but can you uh for me and for the listeners can you give us a rundown of who you are what your mission is what what the essence of of you is yeah i'll give a quick a quick rundown so my name's tony stewart i i'm a personal trainer fitness coach i've been coaching for a little over five years now but i've been i've been a student of like health and wellness for like much longer than that like me personally my my story started when i was around 15 16 or so mm-hmm. and i was like creeping up to 300 pounds like and i had went to um i went to california for vacation one summer and i couldn't fit into a roller coaster and that was like my wake-up call that was the, right. the big shake-up that that made me realize okay i i need to start doing something about this current situation that i'm in and then through just years of trial and error of constantly learning relearning unlearning it's got me to the point where i started to take my health into my own hands and then started to have a passion for wanting to pass down that knowledge to other people and then from there that's the rest of history and leading me up to where i'm at now that's amazing man uh you, you know, you, you said you've listened to a couple of episodes, so I, I kind of get uh, personal on here a little bit with my journey oh, as well. I'm down for that. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, I was in a similar place. I, I, you know, I was never really diagnosed with this, but being a therapist, I look back and I'm like, oh, this is exactly <laughs> what was going on. I had a lot of anxiety and depression, and that led to, uh, you know, an overeating disorder that was pretty much like an emotional overeating disorder. So when I was anxious, you know, usually when someone's anxious or, or revved up, the body is like, no, we're not prioritizing food. We're prioritizing the energy. We got to expel this and then we can relax and, and digest. My body was like, no, give me all the food, man. That makes me feel better. And yeah, so, I'm the same way. <laughs> you know, I was taking French bread halves of the loaves, dipping it in Thousand Islands dressing. And it's like, that was my snack. Uh, and I'd feel good and then I feel shitty after. And so Mm -hmm. I was on that cycle. Like you're saying is it it became a pattern of, of learned behavior and experience. And it it took me a super long time to say, no, I I need to reinvigorate this pattern in a different direction. Uh, so I can, I can definitely feel that, that struggle. Cause it's not, it's not an easy one by any means. It it definitely isn't, especially like, when you when when we look at how our society interacts with food from the day it's like from the day we're born we're we're constantly especially like you know like western culture we're constantly sold food or food like products you know what i mean right. like it's very much designed for it to be a product and i see this a lot now because my mother, she uh, she adopted she adopted my sister when she was when she was like four days old, and now she's seven. So, I've I've kind of almost seen life through like through her eyes because like I try I take my role as like being her big brother really seriously, and I see how things are marketed towards kids, especially you know with cereals and all like different like sweet products like they're really meant not necessarily to nourish you or to feed you. They're meant to make you a customer. Yeah. So it's really easy for people to get caught up in that situation where, you know, we're not thinking about how we eat. It's just, okay, this is just something that we're going to do. It's like, right. Okay. We're just going to like just buy a product and just consume. Yeah. And there's, there's no real actual hunger there. It's just the, Hey, I get this message. My, so I haven't really talked about my family to my immediate family, my wife and my daughter a lot on the podcast. Cause I want to respect, you know, their own choice to have their information out there. But I will say that, you know, they, we do have some food allergies and, mm-hmm. you know, our choice is to eat a certain way because it makes us feel healthy. 
right? So we've had to, because of the allergies, we've had to flip the script a little bit and, and look at food as healthy energy, right? Which is, you know, basically what it is. Um, and I, I saw that firsthand, that, that message through commercials and things of that nature. Cause when my parents watch my daughter, they have, um, cable. And so she sees a mm-hmm. lot of commercials. We use like Hulu and, and Netflix and stuff like that. So not too many commercials on that, but every time she leaves my parents' house, she's always like, Oh, can we get this thing? It's called mm-hmm. cereal because we don't eat cereal. And yeah. uh, she's like, that looks pretty good. And it's kind of heartbreaking because I want her to have that normal life of a kid. But part of my brain is like, no, you're going to be ahead of the game. <laughs> like yeah. when you're a little bit older, you, you'll be able to, you know, the hope is she'll be able to make wise choices and not feed into that message. No, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you brought that up because that's always something that I've always I've always like wondered about as in terms of how to find that balance, you know, being like a fitness professional, being like an advocate of health and wellness, and then knowing, you know, the pitfalls that, you know, that companies will set up for you, like from the moment you're, from the moment you're born basically, but then also seeing and remembering how it was as a kid, you know, like there's, there's certain things that we look back at now and we see, oh, it wasn't really healthy, but it's also part of, you know, some really good memories. So yeah, no, 100%. It's like, how do we find, like, I guess, the balance of, you know, wanting to cultivate those good memories that we had as kids, but also seeing it as, like, when we're important, imp- imparting experiences onto the next generation, I guess finding that, like, like towing that line, finding that balance. Yeah, and I, and I think it becomes even harder still if, you've had your kids or the younger generation has had some of these things and they have that sugar rush or that dopamine rush from like the carbs or the cheese or the dairy or whatever. Um, then it becomes even harder to say, okay, well you like this, but it's not really good for you. So how do you find that balance? We've been fortunate, you know, and I say fortunate because, um, we can still take these ideas of cake or, you know, pancakes or, chocolate cupcakes and we can make our own versions of it and my daughter doesn't know the difference but she loves it just the same and so the hope is you know it's double double concerning because it's like okay is she going to resent the fact that she couldn't have all these things uh, or is she going to be able to say oh i can have the same things i'm just going to make smarter choices with them and and to be able to adapt you know i'll let you know in like 10 years (laughs) <laughs> well fingers crossed that it goes well <laughs> um so f- and, and thank you for being so candid because you know coming on and sharing your stories is not always easy um you said that roller coaster was kind of a, a a wake up for you did you ever have periods before that where you had these smaller insights but they kind of disappeared or what was it about the roller coaster that really like jarred you into nope this is happening now well, there, there was moments, you know, like looking back at, like, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. just looking back at my childhood and, you know, there's always the most where it's like, all right, like if you're the fat kid, like that's going to be easy fodder. People are definitely going to point that out. Like, so there wasn't necessarily big enough, I guess there wasn't big enough moments for me to realize, okay, that this was a problem. It was just because other than that, like my life wasn't really in a position where I felt uncomfortable or felt unhappy, you know, for all intents and purposes, I had a really good childhood. So, you know, growing up overweight wasn't, wasn't really a big hindrance. It was just something that, you know, it, it, it is what it is type of thing. Right. So there weren't really, there wasn't, I guess, a big enough moment for me to be, to, to really sit down and realize, okay, I need to do something about this. Like I went through life up to that point, you know, like I had a good childhood. I didn't really have any health problems. Like maybe there was like, I, I couldn't, I wasn't the fastest kid because they're, they're, well, <laughs> looking back at it, there was this, there was this one moment where I, I, it's funny, but I, I tell it to my clients sometimes, like the first moment I realized I was overweight, I was maybe in like the third grade and like, 
before then, because before, before third grade, so in third grade, you're, probably, what, you're like 10 or so, somewhere around there. Yeah. So like before then, I was actually like really skinny. I was a really skinny kid. And I was really fast. So I always used to play tag and all that. And like, I was really an active kid. And around the time of third grade, I specifically remember playing tag in a park. And I wasn't as fast as I used to. And then <laughs> I, start, I started to think, I was like, why am I not that fast? And then things started to, I guess, I guess, piece together. But even then, it wasn't something that wasn't, it wasn't as big of a, a wake-up call. I guess it's maybe like one of the like things that like you just that just tag on to life as you go along, and then it's I guess the roller coaster was more like the straw that broke the camel's back. Gotcha. And it was also looking back, looking back at it, I feel that people are always motivated to change. People people have different I guess sparks that call that cause change. Some people it could be a, a threat to their health. It could be an interaction with another person i feel like for me i've always been sparked to change due to pride so i felt that i guess my pride was under attack when that happened yeah so that might have been i guess maybe that's like my ego took a hit and i realized okay i i i can't keep on living like this anymore and this i feel like had it happened anywhere other than cali it might have been a lot like it would have been a lot more, I, I guess, harsher of a change because people in Cali are super nice. So <laughs> yeah. it's like I remember, like after like like the roller coaster didn't close, and like like there wasn't like any sense of judgment or anything like that because you know people are, like super nice. Had it happened in New York, it might have been another story. But <laughs> right, right. But yeah, that I feel like for me it was more like just that raw hit to my, my like my pride and my ego. Yeah. That might have been the first you know, like primal reaction of one change and then going down that, just, just going down that road of wanting to continue to change and like own my health. It became much more than just like a pride thing. Right. And then, so you, you mentioned that through this journey, you became a student of wellness and then eventually got to the point where you could teach other, that you're really motivated to help others find that, that spark of, of change. And I think that's super important right because we always talk about making a change and how, how to make a lasting change and i think one of the, that spark is something that people don't pay attention to oh this worked for them or oh this diet worked for them or whatever uh that idea is um without actually addressing but what's going to work for me what is going to be my my thing what's going to be my when i'm really down in the dumps what's going to keep me motivated um I'm a geek, right? So I'll call it the all spark from transformers. Like what's my all spark? Uh, what's going to keep me going. And that's what I love about some of the stuff you post online. And some of your philosophies is that you do take that into account and you do talk openly, openly about it. And I think that's really where, you know, some people are a student of wellness and they force the teaching, but it seems like you, you spent that time in the student of wellness Academy and you're still there but you're also able to teach different stuff. Yeah, very much. And I, I've always had this philosophy where I was like, you know, even if you consider yourself a teacher or consider yourself someone who's like an instructor of some sort, you'll you always will be a, you'll always be a student in, in one way or another. Like the learning never really ends. Right. So, like in my first couple of years of being a student of health and wellness, it was it was a lot of like not knowing exactly what to do, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, after the, the Cali trip, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like an overnight success, so to speak. It was me just doing something simple as, okay, I'm just gonna just lift these like 25 pound dumbbells that have been collecting dust in my, like in my room at the time for like five, 10 years yeah. and just doing things like that. Just like, just, moving not knowing what exactly i was doing but knowing that okay all right, i need to do something mm. and it was also around the time where um where subway was starting to get really popular like like uh, like the sandwich brand because they had the whole like with the the story with uh with jared where he like lost all this weight and that was that was my first like introduction into being a little more mindful of what i was eating right so 
And even then, it was still just like just putting the pieces together. And then it wasn't until I went to college where I decided, okay, like I have, you know, a little more autonomy about what I'm what I'm going to be eating. So at least let me be a little more mindful of it. Let me, you know, start the start to study up on it a little more right so it was just like going just going through like the trials and errors of like not knowing what to do but knowing that you had to do something that's really what led me to eventually like learn more so that i can do more and apply it to myself and it wasn't until people started asking me about my story like when people started to see the results which i didn't i'd say i didn't have my big transformation until I was like around 20 or so. So it was like four years after um, after the Cali story. So just four years of like not necessarily knowing what I was doing, but right. learning and like they all, it all stacks up. Like it all just leads up to like the big spark. And then I never really considered even like, I never even thought about becoming like a trainer or becoming a, a coach of some sort until people constantly started asking I was like what like what, what is it that you like that, that that you've done that made this big this big transformation what like how like how did you get here so it start it started to make me realize okay like I've made this big transformation now for one people are gonna ask me how but then I also have to real have to understand even more how to maintain it and right. then how to continue to change so that's where that's where I like had that urge to learn even more. And then that's where like, you know, I say you, you're always, you'll, you'll always be a student to some, some regard because at that age, like when I was, when I was 20, I felt like, okay, yeah, I've got to have this big transformation. I'm done. But then right. there was just another, another layer to the life of health and wellness that started to open up. And I start to realize that like the more you go down the rabbit hole, the more there's going to be to learn. And you'll never get to a point where you're quote unquote done. There's just going to be something that, uh, something else to unravel, yeah. which can be it can be very frustrating sometimes. But it's all part of getting better. It's all about it's all about just evolving and continuing. Yeah, and I think that that ability to evolve and to adapt and and to change is is so undervalued, but amazingly strong to, to, to keep the journey going. Right. Um, especially with new modalities coming out and new certifications to, to be strength coaches and, and trainers and things of that nature. Sometimes you get stuck trying to learn too much. And, and, and instead of actually getting a really good grip on it, you're like, Oh, oh. give me another, another certification. I need oh, more initials. That's, <laughs> that's been, that's actually was for the most part, the story of my trainer life. For like the first four years of me being a trainer, I because because I'm I'm a bit of a nerd too when it comes to the education aspect of I'm always trying to learn more and more and more. So I'd say like the first four years of me training was just like, oh this cert opened up. Let me let me get this. And then as soon as one like I like I got finished with one cert, another cert caught my eye. So I was just like hopping from cert to cert, getting letter to letter and oh, adding yeah. it to my name. And like they came a point where I had all these certs, but I never really, I didn't spend as much time as I wanted to, you know, like honing and defining like the craft, you know, like I just right. became a constant learner, but then I was spending so much time learning that I, I didn't spend as much time as I needed to, you know, honing and applying like what I learned. Right. It was just about like just hopping from one cert to the, to the next. And I feel that, and this next like phase of my my training and coaching career because now I'm like because I spent like the first four years you know working for working for a corporate gym now I'm more independent so right. now I'm starting to realize that it's less about what you know it's more about or, or it's less about like what brand you choose to attach your your name to it's more about how you take that knowledge and how you make it your own. Right. So now it's almost like I've learned, I've picked up all these tools along the path. I've picked up all these skills. Now I have to cultivate it and make it my own, make it part of what it means to train with Tony. So right. before it was always like, okay, 
I did because that's how me and you met. Me and you mm-hmm. met. We met uh, PCC Progressive Black Calisthenics. So like, if I did that, then I became the PCC guy. Or if I did a strong first cert, I became the strong first guy. Or if I did like a Mike Boyle cert, I became the Mike Boyle guy. So or like every cert I did, like I became that that guy. You know, like right. I was just a part of like just the the weekend certification. And now I've taken what I like from those from those all those different types of modalities and just picked and chosen like a pick and choose and say okay i'm gonna take something from here take something from there and make it a part of me make it a part of my own brand and that's that's been like it's been a a bit of a i guess it's been frustrating in in a sense to get to that point but you know it's growing point growing pains like it becomes necessary but it gives you a sense of realness too with your clients i feel like yeah yeah, very much. Because there are definitely people who come because they look at those those letters and they're like, oh, look, this guy's got the whole alphabet. He must know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you can have the whole alphabet. But if you can't connect with that person or if you don't have a good flow into how you how you train or how you relate with the person, it's not going to go anywhere. I, I see it all the time Thanks. when I counsel too. when I have clients come in. If I and, and it happens periodically, I I if I'm running on automatic because I didn't sleep the night before, I'm just like, Oh great. I'm tired. I can feel myself start to go towards like, Oh, I'm, I'm trained in this modality of counseling. Let's just do this mm-hmm. today. And then I have to slow down and notice it and be mindful of it. And like, okay, I can't, I can't just go into automatic mode because each person's different and they're going to need a different part of my skill set to really mm-hmm. get them to do the work and listen and, and do the work outside of here too. And I, and that's what I love so much about what you're saying is that, you know, and we can even get deeper into the, the wellness society or communities out there are, oh, okay. Do you only do calisthenics or are you a, you know, a, a CrossFit guy or are you a, a gymnast or are you, mm-hmm. you know, some heavy lifting or whatever you want to call it, strongman competition. And you see that a lot. A lot of people will post, um, online they're like oh screw crossfit or screw calisthenics you Mm -hmm. need to lift weights if you're not lifting weights why are you why are you such a baby um but really that's it's this segmented ego that kind of comes into it and reality is like no dude you do you get what you need i'm gonna do what i do it doesn't matter you can cross between those things exactly and i and I, i i feel like you know like fitness and wellness industries especially guilty of it but it's just so it's really part of human nature you know we love i guess identifying with a group a tribe you know like right. you know we, we we see it all throughout different like just avenues where you know there's people who like they identify by what sports team they like they identify what by what politician you know like they choose to give their support to they identify by which fandom they're a part of so and, and they be, and that becomes their identity. And once you threaten somebody's identity, is like <laughs> right. you throw all rationality out the window. Like because I'm, and the reality is, like what regardless of the fitness modality you practice, at the end of the day, we're all you know trying to be students of movement and strength in one way or another. Right. It doesn't necessarily matter if you know this person loves to do calisthenic. This person is a power lifter this person's an olympic weightlifter like once you take the modalities and the titles out of it at the end of the day like we're all technically on the same journey we're just doing it in different ways and it's not a right or wrong thing it's about finding what works for you and well for me like i'm i like to take a little bit of everything out of it like i don't necessarily like the subscribe to just one exclusive modality because mm-hmm. there's so many things you can learn from different from different modalities and i feel like that's where people you know they don't people don't necessarily like to be challenged in that aspect you know they see this pre like predisposed system of movements and they're like okay i like this i'm gonna stay with this and i'll stick with that and anything else is wrong so to like right. quote unquote but that's not necessarily the case, you know, like you can learn from, you, you can have, like everyone will have their, their biases, like their predis- predispositions, like everyone's going to like what they like, but you can still learn from others without 
it being an attack on your on your identity and your ego yeah and i and i think what you're saying is that that tribe mentality to to find a place that's supportive and, and kind of know that they have your back it's really mm-hmm. a, a a defense mechanism oh if i know i'm with this group they're gonna have my back if we get into an argument about whose movements are better or which football team's better or whatever it is some of that can be fun right some some healthy competition um yeah. But really, at the end of the day, what you're saying is it's all about b- being healthy and how you move and, and what's functional. And, and so there's never going to be a point where these groups of, you know, CrossFitters or calisthenics or, you know, powerlifters or, or strongmen come to a forum and like, hey, we got to decide the fate of the world by who's, who's better at these competitions. Right. <laughs> um, so I think you know, it's a healthy mindset to enter like, okay, maybe I do like this in, in CrossFit, even though I don't agree with some of the the practice of that, or maybe I do like this component of powerlifting. I know personally, you know, I, I tend to be more calisthenics based, um, but we did a competition, my brother, uh, my stepbrother and some, some other people this year that this last year in 2019, that was pretty much just pull-up based on who can get 10,000 pull-ups in a year. And now not that it's going to be the whole year, but now I'm talking to my brother-in-law who, who does powerlifting. Um, the focus is more on deadlifting and I don't really have a background in deadlifting, but I'm kind of excited to, to start doing it more regularly because it's out of my comfort zone, but also I feel like it's really functional and I think I can, I can improve some of the stuff I love doing by doing that as well. Yeah. It's like, it's a chance for you to grow as a, like, to, like you said, like to get out of your comfort zone and to do something that otherwise you might have not done before. You know, like you said, you're more of a calisthenics guy, so doing the pull-up competition, that's your that's your wheelhouse right there. That's like your bread and butter. So it was something that you were good at, so you naturally gravitated to it. Now it's like on the other side of the fence where it's like something you might have not necessarily, you, you haven't done as much, but it's still, it's an opportunity to grow, which is, which is awesome for you to put yourself in that situation because yeah. you know, I feel that you know it's it's easy for us to want to gravitate towards the things that we're good at and like even though I I'm constantly like a I try to be an advocate for wanting to move in as many ways as possible I like I I have things that I gravitate towards too like you know I I love I love some deadlifts so I'm going to always prioritize that to other things You've but, been killing those, by the way, man. I've been watching your videos, and the bands aren't working anymore. You're just adding too much weight. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. That's a it's a nice problem to have. Like, <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, I like I gravitate towards towards deadlifts. I like doing deadlifts, but I also like to put myself in other positions where I'm not necessarily. It's not something that I'm necessarily quote unquote comfortable with doing, but I always like the challenge. I like the and I and I know deep down inside doing things I'm not necessarily good at and becoming better at it overall is going to make me a better, a better person. It's going to make yeah. me, it's going to, it's going to fill in any other gaps that I might've, you know, glanced over because I was just too busy focusing on the things that I like. And I tell that to clients all the time too. Like, you know, there's like through the process of owning your health and your wellness, you're going to come a point, you're going to come to points where you're going to have to do things that you just aren't going to enjoy you're going to know that it's good for you you're going to know that it's necessary you don't have to necessarily enjoy it at first but you does that doesn't mean it doesn't have to get done yeah i feel like that's analogous for life no yeah 100 percent agree with you on that especially when you when you talk about getting out of your comfort zone too and this is a concept i've been thinking about a lot is is this concept of ego right because we we all know the ego that's conflated, like, oh, I'm tough as shit, like, don't mess with me, I'm really strong, or, you you know, I'm smarter than anyone in the room. And that's, like, the conflated ego. But I also think lack of self-esteem is also ego-driven, right? Not Mm. doing some of these things, not taking some of these challenges because your ego is telling you, oh, I can't bear to have people judge me if I don't do it right. Or I can't bear to, to... be at a calisthenics training and not be able to do the certain move. So I'm going to skip that, even though I, you know, that's also ego driven. And I think sometimes we forget that 
we view it as self-esteem, but it's also this other sense of ego. And so when we say we got to let go of the ego to move forward, it's both that conflated ego, but also that mm. limiting ego. And that's a hard thing to do. Even with like the, the deadlifting, my, my brother-in-law, he's like, oh, let me come train you. I'll tell you what to do. And my immediate reaction is like, no, 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 man. Like, I know. <laughs> I've read about it, I, you know, all this stuff. I, you know, I've, I've done it in the past. Uh, but that was my ego. It's like, no, I don't want him to judge me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to step back and be like, okay, no, come, come do an assessment. So I haven't done it in a while. So, so clean me up and then let's do some practice sessions together. So you can coach me through it too, which we haven't done yet, but we're doing it soon. So hopefully if he's listening, Nick, it's coming, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, you touching up on that, like that, uh, like the ego in the form of, like lack of self-esteem, that's actually, it's, it's extremely important. It's actually a big part of the process of change. And it's something that I've had, to, that I've, I've spent the better part of like 2019 battling myself in the sense of, you know, when it comes to just being essentially an entrepreneur, like being, like taking my my fitness business and owning it and defining it, and going through the process of putting myself out there, you know, like in in theory, I knew in my head, okay, yeah, like I have to, you know, create content or have to engage people that I want to, you know, that I that essentially I either want to train or just want to ha- have an influence on. And in theory, like I know that in my head, as in terms of the execution, you know, we like, well, I, I won't say we, but I mean. I'll just like talk for myself in the sense that like I didn't feel as comfortable with putting my message out there. So I would just say, Oh man, no, it's like just social media is a scam. Social media is only for people who are just, you know, like people who don't really know better or just like looking for validation. And I would put up those, I'll put up those constructs as a way of, validating my reasoning for not getting better at putting myself out there so i spent like such a long time you know just not wanting my ego in that sense to be attacked that i wasn't becoming better at the things that i needed to do and and then that aspect was you know putting my my message out there putting my brand out there putting myself out there so i you know for one i appreciate that you you know you appreciate the things that I put out there because it took me a while to get to a point where I was even comfortable with telling any part of my story. And it it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of like just self talk, like, like just whether it was positive or negative talk within my head, just to put myself out there. And like, there came a point where, you know, I had to get a coach too. Like I had to get a business mentor so that, he can get me out of my own way, which is why I always say coaches need coaches. Yeah. Like you can be you can be great at coaching, but sometimes we need somebody to hold us account accountable to the things that we're holding others accountable to. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the always put yourself in the role of the student. Know know where you have to take that that position because I do think the ego does pull you astray. Oh, I've been doing this for so long. I know how to do it. I can make this happen. And then I feel like that's where people falter because running a business and, you know, we're running a nonprofit uh, is way different than just knowing your shit. Like you can know your shit, but if you don't know how to implement that or make it into a business, you only got a a certain amount of time doing what you're doing. So I think that insight to be like, no, I got to call someone up. I got to figure something out is, is really strong. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your message, because I know uh, before we officially kind of got <laughs> underway, we were talking about this. Yeah. So a couple of things that really stand out to me, and I think one of them is going to be the name of the episode. Uh, but I want to start with this one first. Um, in your Instagram profile, it says being of service through the pursuit of strength. So can you tell me a little bit more about what that means? So what that means for me and in relation to how I coach is, you know, being a coach, being like, being a trainer. I always see that as my way of being of service to whoever I'm, whoever I'm interacting with, the people who, 
you know, want to pursue coaching. So that's my way essentially of being of service to humanity. You know, like that's my, my skills as a coach, my skills as a, as a trainer, that's essentially my purpose as in terms of, okay, this is what I bring to the table of being a human in this world. And I feel that we all have, we all owe that to the world, the sense of like finding how we can be of service, how we can be better, how we can give, you know, give back to the people that we're surrounded by. And I was fortunate in the sense of finding my purpose and my way of being of service through, through strength training and through just approaching, approaching it in a way that the individual defines it because I may have, you know, I, I have my biases. I have, I may like, I may like what I like in regards to training, but I try my best not to let that muddy what my my clients, my students, what they're looking for. So I'm like I don't. It's not about me taking over the individual's story. I'm just the guy, you know. I'm just yeah. there to to give them the tools so that they can define their own their own process. So strength isn't necessary, like people may see like may see me working out or see me training and say, okay, like he's strong because he, he can deadlift, you know, he can deadlift a whole bunch of weight, but that's not always what strength may mean to someone else. Strength may mean to another person. Okay. Just the fact that I was able to consistently get to the gym and do something. And that's, that's an important part of this whole journey of strength. And the fact that, I can essentially set up a system where I, I'm, I, I can, I've dabbled in enough different modalities where I have different tools to offer, offer people that they can pick and choose essentially, okay, how am I going to pursue this journey of strength? It may not necessarily be what everyone else defines, but it's what me as the individual defines. And that's, the most important part is just like owning your journey, owning your your strength journey, owning your wellness journey. Because right. if you can't, if it's not something that you own and you appreciate and can adapt to your own life, then it's not something that is going to last. Yeah, and I think that that's such a powerful uh, sentiment because, again, thinking about my own past and how I've evolved over over the period of, of years, I remember really get caught getting caught up in the ego of like, Hey, uh, I can do this now. I can do a handstand. I can do, a, you know, a straddle planch or, or whatever it is. And then we're like, Oh yeah, I have the strength. And then seeing other people on their journey as well. And for them, the strength is just getting to the gym three times a week and that's enough. And I think, I think that's a sentiment that not a lot of people hold on to because once you get in that mentality, it's really easy to try to boister yourself up on your own strength goals and, and judge yourself based on other people's, but there's a different path and, and it does not have anything to do with each other. Yeah, very much. And because, and I always, I'm, I'm grateful for like my own strength journey and my own fitness journey. Like, like looking back at it, it's taken, like, it's been, I've been on the journey for a while, and being, being an instructor, being a coach, I'm grateful for, for those pitfalls, and those circling the drain moments a lot, and that, I'm grateful for more than ever now, because it gives me a lot more perspective when it comes to working with other people, because I remember when I was getting started, like, just getting, just getting to the gym, was oh what well, was just the hard part i i didn't really i didn't really start working out in the gym until maybe like junior year well like yeah like junior year of college before then it was just a lot of you know just doing random body weight or dumbbell related workouts and and one of the ways i really got big in the fitness was through um it was like around the time where i was like you know like p90x and insanity and all that when Dude, those were like me really too, popular yeah man i remember like that that was really how my fitness 
really kicked into high gear was having that type of that type of guidance and that's why i say you know fitness isn't like a isn't just a a a single unilateral journey it's not just okay either you deadlift or you don't or either you do handstands or you don't it's whatever it's whatever journey or whatever route you choose to take the fitness that's what it means to use because I, I spent years doing those type of workouts and it got me in a great shape and, and but what it really did the most was build that relationship of fitness building that consistency building those structures that i was able to take and once you have the once you have the consistency once you have the structure you can implement it and bend it and weave it accordingly like i, I built the consistency of doing p90x for x amount of months then i was able to take those same practices and apply it to learning how to do to do barbell based work and then i was able to take those same structures and apply it to learning how to how to own a kettlebell and how to own those kettlebell movements and etc etc so it's not necessarily about it's not about the specific modality it's just about you know, the principles and the structure. Right. Awesome. All right. So I have two questions before we end the interview. Um, the first question you've listened before, so you know, what's coming at you, uh, superhero question. So the first question is if you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? And the second question is, what do you think your superpower is? Oh, man. You know, this is, actually one of the hardest questions ever like when it, when it comes to the, to the super i guess when it comes to the, the superhero power because there's off the top of my head i i'm i'm tempted to say the ability to read minds just because for one it would make it would make coaching a lot a lot <laughs> <Right>. easier <laughs> just because you know people say one thing but they really mean another right. so that i i feel like that would be that that would be the one that I'd choose uh, just 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 thinking about it and I'd say my the superpower that I do have is empathy nice. in this in the sense that I I try to approach all of my like, human interactions with as little judgment as possible like which is why I feel like people are really comfortable with talking with me because I don't necessarily go into situations with, you know, thinking, okay, this person is looks like this, so they must be this way, or they do this, so they must they must act like this. Like I try to go into it with as blank of a slate as possible, and you know, which is why it makes it easy for people to want to talk with me, want to open up with me, because I don't necessarily, I don't, ha- I don't go into like situations trying to like. Like I don't go into situations with a certain amount of prejudice, so just having that empathy and understanding, you know, like we're all we've all lived a certain life, we've all done certain things, like that's led us up to this moment. Like who am I to judge? I'm just here to listen. So I think that's my that's my superpower right there. And I think you're doing it right. I always feel like people who are empathetic, and I consider myself empathetic too. Otherwise, I don't think I'd be in the job I am. Um, I feel like there's a fine balance of, of empathy and there needs to be another part of you that is a little aggressive that does chase after things that does kind of have that assertiveness. And I think, you know, the deadlifting, your own practice and weightlifting and stuff like that is, is that kind of thing. Because I feel like if you don't have that, it's really hard to establish healthy boundaries and then people just take from your empathy. And so I think yeah. it's, it's one of the things when I counsel people who I know are really empathetic we try to come up with some plans uh, for them to practice assertiveness and, and even some aggressive um, movements so that they can can balance out. Yeah, very much, and I, that's what like, and that's one of the reasons why I see strength training as therapeutic, almost in a sense, because you're allowed to tap into that aggressiveness, and I feel like, especially like in a society that we live in now, where you know it's. It's almost, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's shunned, but I will say it's like very like, it's criticized to be aggressive in a sense. But as with everything, you know, like, uh, like assertiveness and aggression 
is on a spectrum. Like you, right. you can be aggressive in what you and what you believe in. You can like stand by. You can be. You can be. You can stand by your convictions, but that doesn't mean being aggressive. Also, being aggressive entails you to just not care about anybody else. Yeah. So I feel that like having like like being like being able to play with the balance of saying, okay, yes, I'm assertive, but I can also be empathetic. Like I'm assertive to what I believe in. I stand by. I champion my causes, but I also understand that other people have things that they believe in too so i'm gonna listen to that and i feel that going through doing strength training and being in that environment allows you to really tap into that energy so that when you're out there in the world you've got you you've gotten a lot of that positive aggression out so that you can see the world a little little clearer yeah well said man i i'm in full agreement on that well, it's been an honor. I'm truly blessed to have you on the podcast, man. It's been great to catch up. I appreciate you. I really appreciate you having me, Steve. Like, I really do, man. So thank you so much, and we'll talk soon. Uh, definitely, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be on the podcast, please outreach to us at info at the Promethean Project dot org if you want to learn more about the promethean project or if you would like to donate to our cause you can reach us at the promethean project.org if you really do enjoy this podcast please share with your friends please like our posts on social media on instagram and on facebook and please leave us a review on apple podcasts or any podcast app that you like to listen to Again, thank you for taking a listen. And remember that the most important step is always the next one.